if you saw our last segment, amazing with the center drinks. Uh, the CBD drinks are amazing. Sunrise Cafe, downtown SoCal, next door to JJ's. Go check them out. That's a um, deserves your business, 100%. But moving on. We're moving on, everybody. And also, all you on Santa Cruz Waves, thanks for tuning in to another great Off the Lip Radio show. Show number 7,000. I don't know. We've done so many of them. Uh, we're live from the Santa Cruz boardroom right here on 41st Avenue. Um, and tonight, we are here with Emmanuel Guzman. I think like your fourth or fifth time on the show. But I was trying, I was trying to remember with Neil. And, yeah. I don't and, know. It's, uh, been, it's probably like four or five. It's been last several. Last time I was at my desk, and you had that you were doing that thing with the schools right before COVID hit. Exactly, the right? last one was at your actual residence. Right. Um, and then this, but this is the first time I actually brought something for you. Thank so you. I figured it was time, so <laughs> <laughs> it's sitting over there, and I'll gladly sign it before. Thank we're you all very said much. And done. But yeah, That's thanks awesome. for having me back. Welcome back. Happy yeah. to be back. Uh, first off, what did I say about E-Man earlier? Well, last week you said to me, you know, because I like I don't say nothing. You you said, and I didn't. Weenin out of you go, the best skateboarder ever to come out of Santa Cruz is Emmanuel, Emmanuel Guzman. And I say that for a number of reasons. Not just your ability to ride a skateboard. Um, it's how you've held yourself as a professional skateboarder through your career is what makes you the best skateboarder from Santa Cruz history, in my opinion. And I, in my opinion, it's worth, like, <laughs> but I, I truly believe that about you. I mean, you've you've had the covers. But you, you, you've had the film parts. You've had... I heard the second most Santa Cruz pro models behind Ron Whaley. Is that true? I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of learning a little bit about that history uh, myself just recently. But I think that Ron for sure has more boards after seeing the exhibit that they have up at the museum. Which is beautiful. Amazing. I mean, as one of my favorite skateboarders ever growing up and somebody that I just looked up to and kind of helped to mentor me um, in my earlier years of skateboarding uh, kind of, you know, as a sponsored skater for Santa Cruz and eventually pro um, Ron was always really influential in, in helping mentor me and um, so that whole exhibit that they have up in the museum is not only amazing but again it was just like get to be a fan again and learn something about one of my favorite skaters which is that he had an See, insane so you, amount of boards you, 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 avoid, you got yeah. questions to ask him but I got one question can, can you remember that first day you were uh, told that you were gonna become a professional skateboarder who gave you that honor? And uh, do you, and again, do you remember that day? I do. Yeah, no, I remember that day vividly. Um, I was sort of under the impression that I would be turning pro at some point in that in that moment in time. I had just put out a video part. You? I was uh, I was eighteen or nineteen, okay. and I had just put out Guarte and had 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 the curtains part. Had gotten the last part, which there was a moment in time in skateboarding when there was kind of a. a you know a set standard and and um you know you had to you had to check things off of your your list before you were you know considered worthy of being pro and and having a major video part getting the last part putting out inter uh you know interviews in magazines having covers all those things were happening so i knew that it would be a matter of time but the day that it happened i mean like for a lot of people was intended to be a surprise um so yeah, I remember uh, going through the warehouse, doing a little segment for Strange Notes video, and in some of these segments, they would do these walkthroughs where you go and you pick the new product from the shelves. Product pillage. Product pillage, exactly. Yep. You remember, and and so when we got to the boards, they had a specific section of boards they wanted me to open, and I didn't want to, you know, be presumptuous that that was 
what was going on, but I had a feeling that it was a pretty ideal moment. If they were going to spring my new pro model board on me, this would be a good one. And sure enough, um, I cracked open a fresh box and, and inside were my pro model boards. And that was an incredible, unforgettable moment. Um, but again, I think like a lot of things in my skate life, I, I had to some degree manifested it to the point of knowing that it was a matter of time. I had already even actually brought a, a graphic idea into NHS um, and, and said, when the time comes, this is what I want, you know? And, uh, and that was probably more presumptuous than anything, but is that the Baracho Loco? They called the Baracho by the Bay, but basically mm -hmm. they took like, I would say a good 75% of what I had wanted on my first pro model and, and took my, my inspiration and actually applied it to my first board. So a lot of what's on my first board was actually from the board that I had brought in with my own artwork and showed them, you know, this is what I want. And it's got cool little ties to, to local Santa Cruz places. Um, the point, for instance, the, the rail at 26 was originally part of like the original graphic. There's a brick pathway that um, was symbolic to the neighborhood I grew up in. There was a little brick circle that I grew up skating in. And so, you know, there were low riders on it. There were all these cool things. Um, Earl? There was a girl, there was a few girls, there was like girls from Lowrider magazines. They kind of classed that up a little bit from oh, yeah, what I had, but, um, yeah. oh yeah. And then this is the latest one that I brought for you, but yeah. So, um, I remember that day very, very well. So, uh, at Guarte, the premiere, um, was that before or after you were, that you saw that you did your product pillage? So that was before, that was before I had done the product pillage. Because um, the deck was already released then. And the reason I remember that is because at Guarte, they raffled off a board. And Cole Kirby here in town got Oh, shit, I don't remember that at and all. You, and you, that and all. you signed it. It was the first Emmanuel Guzman board ever uh, were produced. They, were they numbered? Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's, the first, it's your first pro model ever made. It, they, they raffled it off at the Guarte premiere. Cole Kirby won it. He called me and said, if you trade me a board... I'm going to go. He goes, I need a skateboard. Yeah. I'll trade you this for a skateboard. And I took it. Wow. It? Crazy. And I still have it. Crazy. I honestly, I, have, I don't I remember that. first pro model <laughs> ever produced. I might not NHS. have been, I might not have been present for that whole event. Um, you signed it. I did sign it. Yeah, wow. Well, I still might not have been present. Yeah, but. maybe not. I mean, <laughs> hey, yeah. but, I, but what my point being is, I think you should have it. Dang. Because I mean, it that is, would be it is, it is actually your first. Where is it, TC? It's hanging wow. in the in the Santa Cruz apparel on the wall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. Maybe That's what I'll crazy. do is maybe because it's so important. I I honestly I think you should have it. Maybe I'll trade you something for out of your stash board. I'm down. I'm super yeah. down. I got <laughs> a big stash. I, I got a and massive I know for a fact stash. That's the crazy. First board wow. Because I was told it was the first board that they ever put an Emmanuel Guzman graphic on. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And so I'll get it back to you. That's amazing. We'll, that would we'll, be we'll, awesome. We'll swap it you know, because I don't actually, I, I don't have uh, that board or, or really, uh, you know, too many of my pro models hanging up in my house as it is. I have my artwork. I don't actually have any of my pro models hanging up in my house. Do you have that board? Um, I do have that board. I definitely have that board, but um, I've never really had a, a space that I can hang all my boards up. And instead of just kind of having one scattered here or there, I would like to really do, you know. A proper, a proper room. A proper, a proper kind of homage yeah to your, room to your to career a little skateboard museum you know yeah, with some yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, i know you know this how many pro models have you had with santa cruz skateboards so i've had well <laughs> i mean i wish i could 
be super confident in this answer, but no, I've had I've had 43, I believe. I think there's 43. 43. Are you yeah. right? Is he right? I I, that's, I don't know that answer. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot. Um, 43 uh, professional lot. model skateboards through one brand is an incredible undertaking. Uh, do you realize how huge that is? I don't know. I mean, when when uh, I heard myself say that every graphic matters earlier. Um, it kind of actually hit me that that it is pretty a pretty monumental um, track record to have had that many pro models. Partially because I do put thought and energy and and care into every one, but also because I've been with NHS for so many years that whether it's been one a season or one every other season or even one a year, um, that's a crazy amount of. of graphics to have like yeah across any timeline how many so. skateboarders have 43 models with one sponsor i don't know <laughs> I, mean, I don't know uh, but honestly like maybe somebody out there that's a historian knows that i don't but congratulations thank because you here's know, why. Crazy. to keep a relationship takes work you know and so congrats to uh, such a uh, storied career uh and have we seen the last of the manual pro Pro models? Do we know? I don't know. You know what's crazy to me is that honestly, every time I get a board, it's unexpected. I feel I feel like um, in order to keep a board, there's just certain protocols that need to be met. There's certain things, and I just feel like I'm in such an amazing place that they are still putting boards out. That it says something good. It says something about the the history and the energy put forth, like from my end. Mm -hmm. um, it says a lot about them that they've been equally and mutually loyal to continually support and back me as as one of their homegrown you know pros and so yeah i mean i think that part of the reason that i have had so many boards is is thanks to them um and again i don't know what other brands have carried on that sort of um same well, loyalty it, for their it, writers it, but and, i'm gonna and go so. back to, to roberto right mm -hmm. his his uh Chef has been has worked that guy that, that one chef has been working right. that restaurant for 35, 35 years. years. Yeah. So similar with what you've got going on with Santa Cruz skateboards. It's, no, it's very similar. I'm injecting. Right? I'm, in, I'm going parallel, inject, parallel, in, parallel to inject something right now. You always came through with amazing parts. You always came through with amazing photos. You are a very hardworking skateboarder. You had the work ethic to make it happen. And. There was always you, you re every time like there was always something that put you back to the front of skateboarding. You did that by working hard, a lot of band aids, <laughs> you know, to make that happen. It takes work to do it. It does. I think that um, you know, no, not too many people are ever going to admit that they feel obligated to also like, you know, put it on the line. But when you're in a position uh, like I am, living your dream whether you're getting this opportunity at 13 years old or at 39 or at 59, I mean, something inside makes you want to do good by that, you know, sheer fact alone that you have like bettered and beaten the odds to get yourself into this position. And the last thing you want to do at that point is let yourself or your community down. Right. So yeah, it is a lot of pressure and it is a scary reality to face for a lot of, I think like aspiring and young pros who are actually being given these opportunities. But ultimately, I think that we all have this responsibility that once we've been given this like awesome, you know, gift of living our dream and this opportunity, like you have an obligation to go hard and to. 
you know, be- beat yourself up if needs be. Like I always say, if you're not if you're not hurting yourself skateboarding, you're not doing it right. And that doesn't mean that there's a lot of phenomenal pros out there who, you know, do amazing things that rarely get hurt. But to me, hmm. I think there's always room to go harder if that's your, you know, like. Yeah. How's your buddy now? How we? How's it doing? It's okay. Um, honestly, I I probably wasn't saying that like six months ago because <laughs> I was still coming off of my ankle injury, and I'm now a little over a year from that. Which, with the kind of ankle injury I had, I, I anticipated it was going to be a, a solid year before I was skating confidently and feeling comfortable on my board. Has the um, since you've been with Santa Cruz Skateboard so long? Has the pressure diminished and the confidence grown because you've been with them for so long, or is the pressure still? there to give them a product you know it's different the pressure never really goes away the pressure shifts so is where i felt the pressure to be the top performing like most productive pro on the team at one point because that's how i felt like i was earning you know my my um residuals like basically what i was getting out of skateboarding i really wanted to feel like i earned so it was important to me to constantly be you know when, when 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 it came time to crunch numbers, I wanted yeah. to be at the top. Yeah, and and that was something that you know Transworld actually used to do uh, this little periodical that was Transworld Business, and it would have statistics of the the highest um, best sellers. You yeah. know, covered covered skateboarders and photographers media wise. It would sort of break it down into which magazines you had. There was different point structures for if you had covers, if you had this and that, and. For many, many years, I was always in the top 10 of, of um, the top 50, and, and that was always big to me. That was always important to me to be able to present that to my sponsors, say, yeah. hey, check it out. I made the, the top of the list again. Things have changed. Um, now we have people on the skate team that are full-blown Olympians, which is a crazy undertaking and a crazy responsibility, right? They have to, like, put all this sort of whimsical, fun, party mentality aside and, and really treat it like this serious, you know, noble right. honor and job. Right. and, right. and um, that's something that I don't know if I would have or would have ever or, or will ever have the, you know, Do the you ability to desire. More, like more free-wheeled it than, than, uh, than, than, than anything. Yeah, and I think pressure-wise, I'll always put pressure on myself. If I get called on to put out a video part or an interview, I'm always going to put pressure on myself to the point of it being, you know, hazardous. Like, I'm never going to to half-ass it. And, and I can't live with that myself knowing that I didn't give it my all. Even if it means, like... Shit, I gotta you know jeopardize my my health and well being and break a, a limb to get and, this done. Like, I mean, you've, you've watched more videos of him, but I've seen videos of him. But you seems like when you just, you're trying something, you just go over, you try it over and over and over and over again. And I mean, it's yeah, that's skateboarding. That's not just yeah. me. That's everybody that's ever learned a new trick on a skateboard has has gone through this. But I also I think that it's it's good for you in a way that. The, the average bystander will never understand to that to the passerby or it's masochistic but to somebody like me to really exercise that much discipline and and willpower and and uh repetition you know it, it, it's it's to some people maybe even crazy to see someone try something over and over for hours and hours and hours but to me i'm learning something with every failed attempt i'm learning how to correct it even if it's just delusional like in my mind i feel like i'm learning something there's very little things that i do in life on a daily basis that really challenge me like that mentally and physically right. and it's good for you at the end of the day uh i mean you feel better if you land your trick but even if you don't when you exert yourself like that mentally and physically you just feel good you feel accomplished like shit i gave it my all yeah you know i might yeah. not have landed my trick but i gave it my all well, he and gave it his all i was I, w- I always say this about you manuals that um you did everything everyone else was doing it but you did it faster 
<laughs> you know, and was that something that you took pride in? I mean, you, every time I would see a part drop, it just seemed like you had like reckless abandon with speed coming into stuff and then also leaving things. Like you would kickflip into a bank and go 100 miles an hour. And like that, is that like, was that sort of something you would plan? I mean, I think that I just found my calling. I, I was never the most technical skateboarder. I was never, uh, you know, a vert skater that had this, this really, you know, awesome routine. Um, I was never a contest skater. I, I think that for me, my favorite skaters always went fast. They always ate shit hard and they always seemed to just love every bit of it. Right. And, and they weren't the most technical. They weren't always considered to be the, the masters of their discipline, you know, but to me that was exciting and that was entertaining. And that was, you know, where I felt like the, the emotion really was trans translated. And so going fast and taking those risks and, and the intensity that I feel in that I think is a, just a reflection of my personality. Honestly, I think that right, that's like right. for, for people that know me and, and, um, probably more so when I was drinking, but I can be intense. There's just this, <laughs> you know, this, this energy I've been told that I can, that I can project. And so I think that for me, skateboarding wise, when my adrenaline starts rushing, when I start to get the urge to do a trick, I would have no chance harnessing that energy into some flip in flip out ledge trick. It's just, right. I would go crazy, you know? So what I, try to take advantage of in that moment is like well go fast don't be afraid of the outcome like you know um just skin be be confident in your abilities to go fast because that's what you do and and you can get out of shit going fast too that's the other part is that i know that i can get out of stuff falling fast so as to where other people just the act of going fast might be hazardous i i know i can get out of stuff going fast so that's not always the 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 risky part for me, you know, but it is the thrilling part. And if I am going to be doing this for myself, like to some degree, then yeah, well, going I fast is where I get my thrills. A lot of other people in the industry over the years. Um, I also kind of wanted to go back to your graphics. I feel like you've had a very consistent career with your graphics. Like there's been a, I've seen it in, in a, as a retail store, you have a solid crew of people that follow you graphically and collect your decks yeah. because of the fact that there's been a consistent theme. I know you think a lot about it. Was that always part of your graphic? To be story? honest, I, I, I definitely always loved, um, you know, any of the, any of the sort of like, like Mexican folk art and, and, um, things that had a little bit more of a, a historical value or meaning to me personally than than you know just like what i thought people would get a kick out of in the moment um but what i didn't realize is that basically when when jimbo and i came up with the uh the original dining with the dead graphic mm -hmm. that that would set in motion you know what would be several other graphics themed around that because of the response and it was not just the response that that people uh, appreciated the artwork, but it was the whole connectivity to the culture, to the the um, historical value of the Last Supper for some people, right. Dia de los Muertos for others. Uh, it really like it meant a lot to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, and and I didn't foresee that coming. So when we did get that response, it was kind of a no-brainer as to what are we going to put out that's going to be received well. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, I mean. It's interesting too because that us, original so. dining deck is very collectible. 
It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy it's, where that I place, mean, that thing has ended up. Price. I have a few of those, and I do know that that is uh, um, commanding some high dollars in the collector's market right now. Yeah, that my mom's always reminding me. She's <laughs> constantly on eBay checking what they're going for yeah. and just letting, you know, she putting is. it in my ear. Just, do you know how much I saw one of your boards for the other day? And Bless your mom. She your loves it, but, yeah. She pops uh, in here once in a while. I know, like, it's so Oh, my cool. gosh, so good to see you. Um, and it's so rad because I know you have a great relationship with your mom. I do, yeah, yeah. And she always supports your skateboarding all the way through? Always. I mean, you know, unless it was affecting my my uh, education or unless it was getting in the way of other things and, and she wasn't afraid to take my skate away if I was blowing it. But, um, no, I mean, I, I was never worried that if I came home with a broken arm, that would be the end of it. You know, she would take me to the hospital, get me patched up and – Send me off to do it again the next How day. How is she like, doing? Is she okay? She's doing, she's doing great. She's doing yeah. awesome. She's awesome. doing How so well. How many times been to the hospital and getting patched up? Uh, <laughs> countless. <laughs> countless. <laughs> like, <he's> like <laughs> countless. Has and not just for skateboarding. More board, have you had more boards or more chips to skateboard? Boards? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably. Probably miles or more chips to hospital. Probably pretty equal. <laughs> probably pretty toe-and-toe, <laughs> honestly. But um, And I'm not one of those accident-prone people. It, it definitely... 99% of the time is skateboarding, but there have been many other trips to the hospital just by the nature of being me. Like, right. I, I don't know. Uh, when you get there, do you get, do you get like, to the direct <laughs> front, of the line? front of the line? <laughs> Excuse me. No, but you know what? I actually um, I don't mind ever getting hurt. Like I, I feel like I'm very numb to trauma. I've had so many major massive traumas that I really um, am grateful that I have the ability to just kind of like brush it off even if you know my foot's pointing this way or my arm's pointing that way it, it really never has created this like anxiety or panic or um you know one time i shot a bb uh into my hand and it got lodged in there and my brother tried to perform surgery because we didn't want my mom to find out <laughs> and we could see the bb on the top of my hand it went huh? in my palm and it was just stuck right here and so you know yeah, just like just top. like the geniuses we were, <laughs> we turned we turned up the Slayer and he grabbed an exacto knife and oh, I don't hear the you know I thought he was just gonna do a little surgical cut yeah but clearly he's not a surgeon he just stabbed me in the hand <laughs> and missed the mark completely he just stabbed me in the hand with the exacto knife like for good measure and next thing you know next thing you know blood squirting you know like yeah after he, yeah he hit something and blood just go <laughs> I think that was probably the the last like last injury I had that I remember getting that sort of faint sweat where you're yeah, like, yeah. I had to sit down real quick. Does that come up at Christmas? But that never while? happened when I like when I <laughs> when I've ever hurt myself skating. I, I never need that like I need to sit down real quick. I get that faint. It's kind of like oh here we go again. Yeah, but right. it's also something I've tried to tell people that your body does this, this crazy thing where all these endorphins kick in. And and it kind of confuses your brain because all of a sudden you feel like more alive than you've ever felt. You know, you, you feel very, very alert and aware and alive and just it's almost like this this other type of, of high or, or um, rush that you get from your endorphins when you when you get really hurt. So I always know to expect that. And it's always like, you know, this might even put a smile on my face <laughs> in some weird way. It's weird, but uh, you're wearing a Spitfire hat. 25 yes. years of Spitfire, too? Man, a lot. You know, I've had this hat for at least 15. I've had this hat forever. <laughs> um, I, I can't get rid of certain time, things. Right? I've been with Spitfire for a long time. Uh, yeah, and, and um, 
again, I mean, they, they are another one of those loyal brands that I remember the night I made the phone call to Mickey Reyes and asked if he would put me on and he said, yes. And, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, commenced in all sorts of debauchery that night and it's been an awesome just relationship with them ever since. But, um, yeah, their whole camp up there deluxe, uh, is is amazing i mean i'm so proud to like represent them as well and also to have them be sort of you know the next closest thing locally um to this area it's just always been a huge pride to to be a part of of uh the deluxe camp because they're just awesome solid people and how hard is it the footwear game i mean right the footwear game is the craziest yeah is that the one that evaded you you think i mean i know you've had shoes and you've had cult you know uh Circa, right? And what else did you have? Circa, Vox, Vox, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And and those were the two companies that I had uh, pro model shoes with and, and, you know, had had unfortunate fallings out with. But I just think the only way that I can see it is that with Vox, the money that was backing Vox was not skateboard, you know, based money. This this was somebody whose interests were were not in skateboarding. it was a it was a, a trial. It was an experiment for them right. because they could. Um, Circa, the people that back Circa, they put on a good show that their hearts were in it, but ultimately um, they weren't in it, and it reflected in the way that the brand turned out. And so, so both of those was like the shiny, the shiny like star. not knowing mm-hmm. that what really what the back. I just think I think it makes sense that a shoe business is a is a safer business to get in if you want to enter a market like skateboarding and you have the means. Um, there's going to be a bigger turnaround if you succeed, but at the same time, it becomes apparent that um, the money the money isn't uh, the same as the intention, you know. And, right. and so yeah. that was the only reason that I think it failed was that there just really wasn't a, a sincere. Um, you know, or there wasn't really like conviction towards what it was they were doing. They were they were a skateboard brand, right. but the people that 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 funded and backed it could really probably care less about skateboarding. And, and, and at the time, you get kind of lured in by thinking it's going to be, you know, something that potentially down the road it wasn't. And I mean, no, it was a good run. Like like again, no regrets because regardless of whether it worked out or not, they put together a team of people who were either friends or became close friends. Well, I was we had amazing rep. experiences. I for yeah, man. I, went to I mean, the Northwest for the trifecta. Every single person there was wearing Vox. And for me, talk about an honor to have been put on that team from the beginning. I mean, yeah, Peter like, Hewitt, Navarrette, Neil yeah, Blender, exactly. Dander Hobel. Right. Right. I mean, it was an amazing team. Insane. And yeah, and so for That's me why to I worked just for him too. yeah to just be a part of that was an honor in itself. And when things went south again, that was because the people who actually cared about the brand were no longer. Part of it, and they were buttery soft shoes. They were you know good, they man. Were good shoes. My mom had a pair out the other day, and I, she did? yeah, and I was checking them out, and I was thinking to myself, I really hope I have this color in storage still because I have saved quite a few of my shoes over the years. But um, yeah, man, we did some good shoes together. It was a pity that it didn't work out because the shoes were killer. And I and, thought Vox um, was gonna kick ass. Yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. other team, right? The vibe, the time. It was a right. concrete transition. It was just such a great time. In it was amazing. And you know what? And also, like, the, the, the philosophy behind it as a shoe brand. So the money from the, the 
you know, I guess, I guess the person that, that really, um, you know, funded or, or whatever invested Dr. Chen, I think his name was Chinese guy. Mm-hmm. He was very, you know, um, obvious about his, his lackluster for what skateboarding or what was happening with the brand as long as it was profitable and pulled out of the right. red. And right. that was all he cared about. Um, you know, he, we came to find out that he would eventually take those profits and gamble them away in Vegas over a weekend. Um, while everyone's breaking their backs, but at Dominic, uh, Lance Conklin, the people that, that were actually the face of it. I mean, talk about like passionate people, right. They were, as far as I know, the first shoe company to ever actually like give back to skateboarding when they did that relief shoe, the trooper, right. trooper, right. Me for my first pro model, uh, or actually my second pro model. Um, we had, it was, it was, uh, right around 2008 and the recession had happened and Skate shoes are expensive, and nobody could afford ninety dollars skate shoes. And came out with a fifty dollars skate. We shoe. came out with a, a four. I think it was forty seven ninety five retail. My pro model. It was the lowest selling retail shoe next to Adrian Lopez. The the um, the fifty fifty. The circa fifty fifty that you had. And we had to cut all kinds of corners to make that possible. But Vox was open to that. They didn't care that my shoes might not have eyelets. They didn't care that it might not have a spare pair of shoelaces. If our goal was to make it affordable for the for the customer, then they were backing it. And that was like Ed and that was, you know, if, if they were gonna put out a shoe in, in a collaboration with Dreamland Skate Parks, they were gonna give the proceeds to build skate parks. It wasn't gonna be like a marketing yeah, that was an ploy. Awesome it was like, too. I it's fucking awesome, about. man. And yeah. So it wow. did. It, it, it didn't always, changed. it wasn't always bad. Honestly, um, and I all of you brought up brings back so many memories to me. The But it did change Skateboard shoes. They went from that $100 price to the $50 price. People learn, but I, I had the first ever, as far as I know, uh, you know, we'll call it pro model relief shoe because mm-hmm. in order to get a, a royalty on a shoe, you know, it has to be priced at a certain point um, compared to whatever the cost is. So every corner I cut, I was taking the hit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the company. the company taking the hit. I was taking a hit on my royalty. So I went from potentially making a dollar a shoe to 75 cents to 50 cents a shoe is what we ended up settling on. But um, for that, customers were able to go into a skate shop, buy their, you know, favorite skateboarder shoe for less than 50 bucks. Yeah. Right. As where before that, that wasn't really an option. Mm, that's very interesting. So, and you know, Vox was the company that backed it. Could, do you think like a, there is another Vox in the future? Is that, you know, the way the shoe business is now? I don't know. I think that there's just the, you know, the tycoons are just, they, they monopolized it when skateboarding let them in. It's tough to compete. I think that that's been, that's been proven. And now they're not only, they're not only, you know, one uh, big, massive corporate shoe company. There's several. So you have Adidas, New Balance. The competition for the smaller upstart brands is really tough. And that sucks because um, right. it would be rad to see like a, a skate company that was for skateboarders you we know, try buy here. skateboarders we, we, and not not carry Yuma or whatever. We that, do like. Soltec and we do Lakai and we 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 push them as you know skateboarder run companies, and it's just really hard to turn the public on that, you know. So, and and I I feel like that's I think the biggest problem right now with these big guys. Is How do you compete? Like carry Yuma is probably the closest to competing, and they have mm-hmm. to do it in such a horrendous way. Right. That somebody like myself, like would probably if i were in a position to to ride for a brand like that or if i was still sought after and had options that would probably be like the last of them yeah and that's too bad that the one company that actually you know has been started by somebody in skateboarding and Mm -hmm. is actually got a bunch of awesome people repping it like 
is and is gross. Had, had athletes like, in the Ugh. Olympics. Right. I mean, you know, like they they had great, you know, uh, endorsements going on. Right. I get it. Right. And and I mean, I'm sure, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk future. You Hang on, just one second. Okay, got it. One thing I want to bring up. Okay. One thing I want to bring up. I'm ready. You ready? Is li- maybe you don't know this. But he, but this man right here is sporting a tattoo from a Premier League soccer league team. <laughs> oh no! It got he's, he's got not it. your team. Is it your team? No. Hell no, no, it's not no. my team. Hell no! And his Hell team's no. going through hard times. I'm not going to bring it up. His oh, team's going. His team's go. going through hard times. You guys sucking right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're yeah. Sucking That's right all right. <laughs> but you know what? All my teams How's are sucking. Team? Which team? Yeah, yeah, which one? My team. My team. Oh, my team's going through turmoil too, because <laughs> had a Russian owner. They booted him. Oh, okay, yeah. So and his yachts. Yeah, and his yacht. Yeah, but he. But but man has got a Man United, Manchester United tattoo on his on his right. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you, it's a good thing the Warriors uh, won this because <laughs> my Warriors. my teams aren't looking so hot, but that's okay. Cause <laughs> yeah. When you're a man, when you're a Manchester United, yeah, A's and 49ers fan, yeah, you just have to roll with the punches. You know what that's I mean? Right. So yeah. anyway, sad <laughs> leave. I mean, yeah, of course, but uh, I would still be an A's fan when they're gone. Yeah, I'll be an A's fan. I'll be an A's fan. I would like to. I would like to see them start at least by just winning some games. That yeah. put a smile on my face. But uh, going like I heard you can get like five dollar tickets and stuff up there. You know, the next game I'll probably go to will be the Battle of the Bay uh, oh. in August. Yeah, they they uh, we went to the last one in San Francisco and they won. That was one of the few games they won this season, and it was actually my son's first baseball game, which was it was awesome. Other than the fact he decided he's a Giants fan, <laughs> but. Uh, that's okay, because he took his first loss that night, too, and handled it like a champ. So, so your son's five. Yes. Can <laughs> he be a skateboarder? I don't know. Honestly, it's hard to say. It's up, it's, Does it's, he have an interest right now? He, does, he has a little teeny interest, which is all him, because I very rarely push it on him. I mean, it surrounds him on a daily basis. Um, but he has so many other interests that I want to kind of, like, facilitate and just accommodate to that, that – if he shows an interest in skateboarding, yeah, I'm going to be there. But I'm definitely not one of those, like, skate coach dads that's insistent on him. Um, no, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 uh, I think I would find it more fulfilling and rewarding for, for him and I if, like, he found something all on his own. And if right. it happened to be skateboarding, that's going to be incredible because he's got – Good, a good person in his corner. Have a bunch of toys and let him pick. Exactly, and especially at this age, man. I didn't start skateboarding until I was nine. Uh, He's five. Like, there is no rush, um, especially knowing the risks involved. That that's to me, that's like, that's like almost neglectful. You know, you know, you're putting your kid in harm's way, and you're insistent on them picking that path. Like, man, who's this? Who you really doing this for? You know, but um, it is cool though with kids now because it is okay to be a kid and wear a helmet and pads. It is, and no, I think that's rad these days. Like at the contest, um, I have an amazing photo of like eight kids on the deck, and they're all wearing helmets and pads. When I see kids that are hungry at that age these days, it actually, I mean, unless you learn their situation is is peculiar, um, and, and, and the parents have, you know, more of a negative involvement, like it's actually super exciting to to wonder what the future brings because I didn't start skating that young and look at what i've been able to do with it when you see somebody that's six years old that's fallen in love with it like even earlier and are talented and athletic and hungry like you very well might be looking at the next superstar skateboarder and 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 now that i've seen that happen like with raven and Mm -hmm. cody like it's actually now the the you know uh 
evolution is happening right before my eyes of watching these little hungry groms become the next best skateboarders in the world and 